Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Padma Lakshmi is a model, actress, and the host of TV's Top Chef. She's the person telling everyone to pack their knives and go home. Her latest television series is Taste the Nation with Padma Lakshmi on Hulu. Okay, here's another thing I've never cooked before. Antelope. I have a couple times. Just a couple? Just a couple times. (laughs) Okay. This antelope actually came from the San Carlos Reservation, where I learned to forage with Twyla. So we have New Mexico red chili, sea salt, and garlic. Dried sage. And at the end, I'm going to add the sunflower oil. That'll help uh, rub that on there. What is your favorite game meat? I like muskrat. Packrat was my first rodent, so I'm learning still. Every episode, Padma travels to a different part of the United States to highlight an immigrant community. She breaks bread with folks across the nation to discuss the relationships between history and food. The show celebrates different cultures and their place in American cuisine. The results of the conversations she has often reveal stories that challenge notions of identity and what it means to be American. Padma's also written several cookbooks as well as a memoir. When I talked with her in 2016, she'd just written an encyclopedia. Literally, it's called The Encyclopedia of Spices and Herbs. It is, as the cover says, an essential guide to the flavors of the world. Anyway, here's my interview with the immensely charming and significantly brilliant Padma Lakshmi. Padma, your new book is about spices. Um, what are the spices that you remember most vividly from, from being a kid? Probably black mustard seeds, cumin, curry leaves, um, red chilies. Those were the basic ingredients that my grandmother fried in a big iron ladle with some oil, usually mustard oil or sesame oil. And when you heard the crackling of the mustard seeds, um, something akin to like little machine gun fire or sort of like popcorn, uh, you knew. And you could also smell the aroma of the curry leaves frying. It's a very distinct smell. You knew that dinner was on in a mere amount of minutes. And I think from a very early age, I sort of stood at the um, at her elbow and... Um, was fascinated by these little seeds and twigs. Did you like the food that your grandma made when you were a kid? You came to the United States as a, I think, like as a preschool when you were four or five, right? Yes, exactly. I came when I was four. Yes, I did. I mean, I was always a good eater, and I was a very curious eater, and I really loved um, things that were heavily spiced, especially when you considered my age. And, um, you know, there was a little bit of a, cultural crossing, you know, to get used to American food. When I got to the States, everything seemed very bland to me. I think um, a lot of waiters in New York restaurants were charmed to have a four-year-old ask for Tabasco. (laughs) They thought I was kidding, but my mother said, no, she would really like some Tabasco, please. Did you have cultural crossing issues uh, the other way around? I know a lot of folks who uh, uh, grew up eating uh, the food of their immigrant parents at home 
uh, who were also like uncomfortable bringing friends from school home or whatever because they were worried that their friend from school would think it was weird. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I had cross-cultural clashes left and right, you know, going east and going west. Um, In school, I can remember my mother used to send little Tupperware uh, plastic containers with rice and some vegetable curry or kidney beans and a tomato stew. And, you know, it's very pungent, to put it mildly. And everyone else was having these very neat little Wonder Bread sandwiches of peanut butter and jelly, which to me seemed disgusting to eat something that cloyingly sweet that stuck to every surface in your mouth. When when I had birthday parties, I was always a little weary, uh, wary, excuse me, of what my mother was going to cook, you know, and I just said, can't we just have pizza, please? What was weird about you, and especially the, maybe the food that you ate and, uh, you know, your food uh, food lifestyle, so to speak, when you were spending summers in India? Well, I always had a mental list of things that I was going to eat as soon as the plane landed. And, um, you know, I had a lot of street food. I had have always had, touch wood, a very good, strong stomach. And um, I, I had, you know, these things called chaat, C-H-A-A-T, chaat. And they come in various varieties, but they're all crunchy and salty and tangy and sweet and hot and sour. And no two bites are the same. So you can have puffed rice tossed with fried besan flour um, and fried peanuts that has, you know, a date and tamarind sauce, but also a spicy green chili and coriander chutney and yogurt and black cumin and red chili powder and all of these things put together. Or you can have flat disks of fried um, semolina um, with besan flour again and, you know, boiled potatoes and boiled chickpeas. And there were just different configurations of, of all these elements that had a lot of different textures and flavors. Uh, what was like weird and American about you? when you were in Chennai or uh, Madras, uh, where your family was from in the summer? My sense of dress. Because I went to America when I was four, and, you know, when you're four, you're really not even aware of your gender so much. Um, I wasn't taught, like the other kids were, to be bashful, to be um, reserved and covering of our skin. And so when I would go back for summers, I, you know, so hot in South India that I would just wear shorts and a little tube top. I, I want to ask you, uh, we've talked a lot about the uh, breadth of your palate. But I want to know what is gross to you to eat. Offal, tripe, anything. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big organ meat person. I don't like eating um, tongue or you know heart or brain and things like that. I still get really, really squeamish about um, certain cuts of meat. I you know obviously came to eating meat much later. It wasn't something I started doing until my adolescence, really, and it just. I have real trouble with with those kind of cuts of meat. Like it's the smell, it's the texture, it's the gamey bloodiness of it. A big part of eating meat is pretending that that it's uh, not a part of a living being. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. and I think you know, with tripe, 
you know, I I don't know. I guess I probably only ever had it much in, in pho, mm-hmm. but it's so it's so goofy looking that it hardly seems like it could be part of the body of an animal. <laughs> so I think that's yeah, why no. I'm cool with eating it. I know, but don't you taste? That, isn't there that aftertaste? Can you not detect that it's tongue when you're eating a tongue taco, even if it's chopped up? No, I'm pretty chill. I'm pretty chill with tongue. I mean, there's definitely a big <laughs> difference between there's. It's one of those things where there's a big difference between uh, if it's pretty good or if it's not that good. Right. It's sort of like. Um, Yucca, like yucca is, if you get like stringy, weird yucca, it's super gross. Mm-hmm. But then if you get it really good, it's like, oh, this is totally better than potatoes. Right. Um, yeah. But it how, doesn't have this about. sinister quality to it. It's still just a, <laughs> a tuber. It's, you know, it comes from the ground. <laughs> it's true. a plant. It's not like as bad as any vegetable. Like think, you know, people have an aversion to eggplant or okra because, you know, it's not cooked properly and it gets very slimy. But, you know, it's still just a plant. Like, it's so innocuous. But when there's something slimy and um, nondescript or murky, when it's a non-vegetarian thing, I think it just takes on a whole nother sinister thing for me. I like that you think of it as sinister, specifically. I do. I feel very... Like, not just gross, like threatening. I do. I feel... But that's how, you know, I was conditioned to feel like that, I think. I mean, I remember... When I came to this country, my grandfather, who loved America, was an you know American lover of all American culture, from baseball to jazz to show tunes to everything. And he made me memorize all 50 states and their capitals in alphabetical order, which is something I know I can't do now even. But, you know, he also said, be careful because meat lurks everywhere. Even when you're not suspecting it and it will be cold there and you'll order tomato soup or vegetable soup. And sure, it may have a few vegetables in it, but the broth is actually, you know, the boiled bone water of an animal. And so anywhere that you look, meat can be lurking. Like French fries, you love French fries or donuts, but they could be fried in um, liquefied fat of a pig. They call it lard, you know? (laughs) Right. So, you know, I felt like I was coming to another planet. Um, The most dangerous things in my grandmother's kitchen, you know, was her coconut grater and the chilies. (laughs) That's, you know... More of my conversation with Padma Lakshmi when we return from a break. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Support for Bullseye and the following message come from Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic meal kit, offering plans for every lifestyle, including paleo, plant-powered, keto, and balanced living. With Green Chef, everything is handpicked and delivered right to your door, so meal planning, grocery shopping, and prep work is done week after week. Go to greenchef.com slash bullseye80 and use code bullseye80 to get $80 off your first month. Friendly Fire is a podcast about war movies, but it's so much more than that. It's history. It was just supposed to be another assignment. It's comedy. Under no circumstances are you to engage the enemy. It's cinema studies. It's a hell of a combination. So subscribe and download Friendly Fire on your podcatcher of choice or at MaximumFun.org. Mission accomplished. I'm Rodney Carmichael. 
And on this episode of Louder Than a Riot, did bias against rap lyrics seal the fate of No Limits Mac Phipps? This guy shouldn't be incarcerated. And I know that his music got him incarcerated, but they got the wrong guy. Listen now to the Louder Than a Riot podcast from NPR Music. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Padma Lakshmi. She's the host of Taste the Nation on Hulu and the author of the Encyclopedia of Spices and Herbs. She and I talked in 2016. How do you deal with eating like uh, uh, the sort of cavalcade of foods that is required for your job on Top Chef, especially when there are a bunch of things that you have to eat? And, you know, while you're eating them, you also have to be... uh, lending a hand in in telling a story so like you can't you can't make a face <laughs> you have to make a very specific kind of face yeah kind of thing. it's very funny because i have no poker face so um you know once i take a bite the camera will usually cut away from me um but i it's hard you know it's really hard because it's not like just overeating it's not like having a fourth portion of lasagna or a third portion of you know pulled pork tacos or whatever the heavy dishes it's having all of those things it's having a little bite of this and a little bite of that and each dish has you know 12 or 15 ingredients in it and components on the side it it's I mean, I don't have a poker face. I think, you know, sometimes I'm really trying to figure out what the chef's intention is. You know, what were they going for? Um, Because if they were going for something that was kind of bitter, then okay, they succeeded. Um, Whether it's pleasurable to me or not, if that is the best example of what they were trying to do, then you have to give them points. Like, if they make a great tongue salad, you know, and I don't happen to like tongue. I can't, I can't take points away from them. You were a model for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, obviously a big part of, uh, being a model is, uh, you know, whatever, a gift, you know, being very good looking. Yeah. (laughs) Which, uh, I will stipulate you are. Thank you. Um, but I think the other, uh, the other part of being a model and one of the skills of being a model is being aware of how you look. Um, you know, gift and a curse, obviously. Yeah. But part of it is, you know, you are reflecting, you are able to produce whatever this image is supposed to look like in your face and body and so on and so forth. Um, and I don't think there is any time except maybe like in the middle of laughing, uh, that we look weirder than when we are eating. Yeah. And I wonder if you, ha- <laughs> I wonder if you had to develop like the skills to eat in a way that wasn't weird or embarrassing looking on camera. I'm yeah. I mean, I'm a. I talk with my mouth full all the time. Um, we, <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because sometimes I go online, which is not a good practice usually, but and read some of the comments. You know, I think GQ did a piece on me recently, and they posted on their social media, and I went to see, I read the comments there, and one of the guys said, "Ugh, you know, she's so heinous. She, she's terrible the way she eats." And I actually like answered him on the. <laughs> on their Instagram and said, I'm sorry, I'll try and do better next time. Um, 
<laughs> but you know, it's it's difficult. I I try not to be too messy, but um, you know, and I try not to spill because obviously we're you know we're a small cable food show, and so we don't have two of everything. So if I soil my blouse, it's going to remain soiled. I mean, we'll stop production and try to get the stain out, but if we can't get it out, it's not like we can't, you know, we're going to change the top. We're just going to note it and move on. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Padma Lakshmi. If you were going to give me a casual home cook who primarily is cooking pork shoulders um, and green beans with butter um a a spice a single spice what would it be and i'm not talking about salt or pepper something that something that probably isn't in my spice rack right now or that i might not think of the way that you would have me think of it if it's not salt and pepper i would say probably sumac or perhaps zatar um, sumac is in za'atar, but za'atar is um, a Middle Eastern spice blend. It has thyme, wild thyme in it. It also has sesame seeds. Um, it's a lovely, you, you'll see it often rubbed on Middle Eastern flatbreads. Sumac is uh, a dried red berry. It used to grow in North America. It grows all over the Middle East. If it's If you eat you know, a bushel of it, it's poisonous, but you wouldn't. Um, but when it's dried and powdered, it has this beautiful, rich vermilion color, this lovely, lovely burgundy red that you can just sprinkle on things. And it gives a fruity tartness that has a depth to it that is beautiful. When we add acidity or sourness to a dish, usually we add it with citrus, like lemon or lime, or with vinegars. This allows you to add sour notes to a dish without adding moisture. And it you know, doesn't seem like a big deal until you talk about uh, different things that you want to season, um, like, like your pork shoulder. You know, it would be beautiful as a spice rub on your, on your pork shoulder. I would love to be able to credibly use the phrase rich vermilion. <laughs> I'm a public radio host. That should be like one of my – that should be in my – rack of skills but <laughs> i i just haven't got it mama <laughs> you you suffer from endometriosis mm-hmm. um which is a a condition that i'll give a very quick summary and you'll tell me if i'm wrong uh cuz mm-hmm. i went to public high school okay. but um uh it's it, essentially you know the uh, the process of, of a woman's reproductive period involves shedding the lining of the uterus. Right. And if you have endometriosis, that lining does not shed properly or, or as it does in other people. And it causes very serious cramping and pain, um, you know, for a, a kind of a regular period of every month mm-hmm. and also other related pain. Mm-hmm. That's exactly um, right. Yeah. It's very debilitating. I mean, I wasn't diagnosed until I was 36. And, you know, I went through puberty when I was 13. So that's a week every month for 23 years, 
you know, 25% of my life that I was in chronic pain. And when I say chronic pain, I mean taking prescription painkillers in bed with a heating pad or hot water bottle, feeling nauseous, having a headache, feeling numbness, pain running down one leg, having backache, having digestive problems. And, you know, I think when we get that talk about the birds and the bees from our elders, we're conditioned to accept that pain because anything to do with a woman's reproductive system, childbirth, all of it is our lot in life and is painful. Do you feel like talking about it has, and being so public about it, has changed the way that you relate to the world, not just about this, but about other things? I think, yes. I think the only good that could come out of being undiagnosed for those many years is that it galvanized something inside of me and made me want to do something about it because, you know, I didn't want the next generation of women to to lose 25% of their life and to not be able to play volleyball or go on the debate team or, or whatever they wanted to do. And that was the first step. Speaking out about it, you know, it wasn't overnight. It took some cajoling and sort of getting used to, but it was very liberating to speak about it. And then once I spoke about that, it gave me courage to to write my memoir. And, you know, that was a very scary thing to do as well. But I have to tell you, it's 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 quite astonishing how... You know, I'm 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 pretty much Indian. I'm very Americanized because I've grown up in this country. But inside, I'm still affected by um, my Indian culture. And in Indian culture, like in many Asian cultures, you're taught to be reserved. You know, to be very reserved and not to speak too much about your personal life and um, all of that. And and you know, what I've done is just do the complete opposite. And it feels so good because I'm not, I don't, I'm not a scaredy cat anymore. You know, all those things that I was embarrassed about or ashamed of or didn't feel I had worked out. You know, there's nothing anyone can say about me now that I haven't said about myself. Well, Padma, um, I so appreciate you taking all this time to come talk to me on Bullseye. Um, thank you so much for doing it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a great talk. I guess it's time for me to pack my knives and go. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Padma. I really appreciate it. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Padma Lakshmi from 2016. The Encyclopedia of Spices and Herbs is a wonderful book. She's still on Top Chef. The show will return for its 18th season next year. And don't forget to check out Taste the Nation on Hulu. It's wonderful. Our producer, Jesus, watched the show with his mom recently. And his mom, Yolanda, was a big fan of the episode where Padma goes to Arizona to eat foods that are indigenous to the United States. So that's a classic bullseye Yolanda pro tip. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created in the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California. Here at my house, my son Frankie, age three, has committed full bore to the Halloween costume Ghost Pirate. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. He's away in the woods this week, far from all the rest of us. Jesus Ambrosio is filling in for him this week. Jordan Cowling is our associate producer. We get help from Casey O'Brien. 
Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team, thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries for letting us use it. You can keep up with the show on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Search on those platforms for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. NPR.